0: Hi, thanks for listening to Bowties in Business. I'm your host, Tim Kubiak. If you don't do so already, please subscribe if you like what you hear. Today, we've got the top five most inspirational conversations I had this year. Holidays are a tough time, and these are people that brought things into focus for me personally as we talked throughout the year. I hope you enjoy hearing from them. We've got Michael Cedar, Joel Hulk, Jeff Harry, Sean Harper, and Mike Acker. So let's talk about the journey you see with your clients a little bit, right? Yeah. So you've been there. I've been. I've been the train wreck, right? Tanked like a rock star myself. Um, how do people come from that place where they are their careers to finding out maybe who they really are beyond that?
1: Yeah, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be super academic with this answer, right? Because there's my. Wow, this is a hard one to put into words, and then there's the. You know, man, I can't sit in front of a high-performing executive and just talk about, like, okay, what's your what's your life's purpose, right? And so I have right. to come to the table with some tangibility. So I'm going to go super academic on this. and And I just – there's been yet a time where this model did not create a massive move of the – the, the needle for them. And so I go from the standpoint of, I go, Hey, let's, and, uh, and I don't necessarily do this with everyone, right? It depends what individuals are coming to me for, but if someone's coming to me and they're just like, lost my job, really having dark thoughts right now, or, or about to lose my job. And I don't, I just don't think I have what it takes to get it you know, to get back in good standing or whatever it is, if people's values are attached to their, their worth is the attaching to something else. And even if they're not in scared, fear of losing something, people who are workaholics, Actually, I'll tell this story and then I'm going to come back to it. So one of my favorite moments in coaching history in my life is I had a super great human being um, come to me or was assigned to me actually. They were assigned to me by their HR department. They were working around the clock. You know, um, if I mentioned the product name, you would know what it is, you know, and they're, they're a super high end um, provider for that brand. And the very first meeting, the chemistry meeting, right? The chemistry meeting to just be like, hey, we're pairing you. Just make sure that you guys are a good match. And I just remember we were over video and he, looks down, he starts by looking down at the table, looking body language is slumped. And and he just said, hi, my name is Blank. And uh, this is my job here. <laughs> I was like, I know who you are. I know what your job is there. Most of the world knows your job as well um, and who you are. And he is I'm thinking that. And he just goes, the first thing out of his mouth after saying his name and title, right? But immediately stock is, and this is me, this is my job. He looks up at the camera and he goes, I dropped my 10 year old daughter off at school today and I drove away and I realized I have no idea what color dress she was wearing. Can you help me? Wow. Yeah. Right. Super, super. Wow. And I mean, I got the chills and I don't have children, so I don't know what that would be like, but I, I just said, yeah. Yeah yeah, I've been there. I can help, you know, maybe I don't have the daughter, but I remember not knowing if I talked to my mom that day, you know, so yeah, let's do this. Yeah. And he's like, yeah. I'm like, great. Right. And, and so there are stories like that, that I mean, how many of us have that where we forget what it's like to be present with the people we love, you know, and talk about gratitude, right? The gratitude, yeah. being, great of, being, great of, grateful, being grateful grateful of for what you do have now, because as COVID has definitely taught us, you could lose a lot real fast, you know? Uh, and I believe there's only, I'm, I'm gonna answer your question, by the way. Are oh, uh, you're good. We're, we're, coming, we're coming full circle, right? There's only one thing we can control. And that's it. And and man, one of my favorite books is uh, Ishmael by Dennis Quinn. But the theme of the book is basically the only thing you can control. Control is an illusion. The only thing you can control is your response to everything happening. You could lose your job. You could lose a limb. You could lose a loved one. You could lose a spouse, a partner, a lover, right? And I can't control that. You know, I can only control how I show up in that moment. And so- Let's go back to your question, uh, or, or let's go back to that academic thing that I do when people are wrapped up in their jobs so much that they, let's use that analogy, don't know the color of their daughter's dress, right? And, and they want to be a good dad or, or a good mom, right, uh, or a good family member, whatever. And so one of the first things I do is go, hey, let's, let's talk about what you do. Like, hey, well, who are you? What do you do? And people generally go, oh, I'm a, I'm a designer. I'm an actor. I'm a Broadway star or whatever, you know? And I'll go, okay, so what vehicles do you have in your life? How do you deliver yourself? How do you show up? And I'll give the example. So vehicles in my life in the past and current were Brain a full circle bar mitzvah and wedding MC. That was a vehicle uh, being a company manager for Broadway bus and truck tours. That's how I worked in 49 of the 50 States um, coach. Right. But then I'm also a husband. That's how I deliver my self. That is a vehicle being a husband's a vehicle. I am here as a vehicle to serve our relationship being a son. Mm-hmm, right? Um, these are ways I, these are titles, they're labels. That's all they are. Take away the word husband. What am I to my wife? Right? How do you like total? that's why I said there's some intangible parts here, but if we actually take the word husband away, who am I to my wife? That's the first time I've actually said it like that. That's pretty badass. If you ask me, that's pretty like, good. Who am I to my wife? If we don't call me a husband, right? What a neat, right? oh crap taking who am i without the ring on put my ring back on all right so <laughs> so those are vehicles and so people challenge well i'm up i you know uh you know and just and that's hard, for a lot of people that's hard to do is to come up with the vehicles and it's like well well being a being a Uh, you know, volunteer for the first day. That's not a vehicle. That's a purpose. Nah, dude, that's a way you show up in physical form. In physical form, you have to show up as a vehicle in physical form and we are in human form, okay? I don't care what your background is and anyone's background is in faith. We are in physical form if we're talking, you know? And if we're not, please tell me because I need to learn from you. Humility, whatever spot
2: you're at, learn humility and learn the ability to praise the people around you. One of the biggest uh, difficulties I ever had was learning humility the the hard way. And it's much better to humble yourself than to be humbled.
0: That's a very important point and a great lesson in and of itself. If you don't mind, can we step away a little bit from the business world? Can we talk about your background? Because you have a little bit different of a path. (laughs) Yeah
2: do you mind sharing yeah i mean i I actually love starting about my background actually with my parents because my dad was a drug dealer and my mom was a witch so that was the most (laughs) what's the most interesting thing about you my dad was a drug dealer my mom was a witch or if i want to put this in more like more business terms my, my my dad was a entrepreneur <laughs> and he had started his own business when he was in college and he realized how much money he could make and so instead of pursuing a uh, his degree he he, he did that uh, they then had a radical transformation in their life and uh, changed their own values they became christians and very involved in helping the world be a better place so in the 80s we were helping people with hiv Back when you still thought you could catch it by sitting on the wrong toilet and then we were helping food banks and we're going down to the nursing homes and my parents just felt so grateful for this change in life that they just wanted to teach us how to pay it forward and so they just did some really cool things that led us down to Mexico where we were serving the poor and disenfranchised and outskirts of Mexico where a lot of the kids grew up to be the cartel of Sinaloa and so a lot of the people we worked with have been influenced by the cartels in Sinaloa, which is where we lived. So I lived there for seven years. And then I was at this crossroads where was I gonna go in the professional world or what did, I, what did I wanna do? And at that point in time, I was looking at just, I was just looking at money. I was just looking at that. And so I was accepted to the top law school of Mexico and you go straight into law school for five years. I was accepted, it's a big deal. And then I had a change. And just in talking to some people, really decided that I wanted to maybe more follow in the footsteps of my parents. So I ended up becoming a a pastor and did that for 19 years, did all kinds of church plants and missions work, planted schools and churches and feeding centers in Mazatlan and Senegal, built wells, did all kinds of really cool things in the United States and outside of the United States. And And then I just hit a wall, 19 years into it, I didn't want to go to church, (laughs) which when you're a pastor and you've been a senior pastor for 10 years and you don't want to go to church, it's kind of, it's kind of a deal breaker right there. (laughs) It's kind of what you're having to do. And I had just, and this is where it comes to that pride. I'd done so well for so long that I kind of thought that I kind of thought I was pretty amazing. And and it led to some issues and it led to me stepping down and just, just ultimately then saying, well, who am I? Going back to that identity question, maybe a reason why I push into identity so much is because I had to ask that. And so who, who am I? Uh, I? I thought I was a pastor and that's, that's who I was. And I realized that it's a classic cliche. I'm not a human doing, I'm a human being and pulled back. We relocated back to um, a town I'd lived in 20 years before, just on the other side of Seattle, and just took a pause. And that's when I ended up going to sales and just enjoying the professional life. Did quite well in sales. Took the territory, grew it large, and, and just took a breather and reevaluated why I had been doing different things. And, and so, often, so often when someone goes into ministry, and this is true in other areas too, is when you start really really high on passion and low on skills but the the longer you're in whatever you do and i'm aware that it could happen to what i'm doing now is that over the course of time whatever happens that your passion lowers and for me there's several factors pride was one of them but the passion lowers as your skill goes up and now you're not leaning into heart and faith and those internal aspects but you're really leaning into your skills and your own ability, which builds that pride right here. You know that you're not good at it, but you have heart for it. (laughs) You know, you're launching a business, right? You're an entrepreneur. You're launching something and you know that you're not actually great at communicating. Maybe you're not great at sales, but you, man, you, you work hard. You have tons of heart, but over the course of time, your skills go up and that heart, those internal values goes down. And, and when I stepped away from ministry, and just had a time to really think through who i was what was important to me revisit the values i had written down so long ago i'd realized that i had relied more on what i could do than then really focus on who i was the
0: difference between winning and
2: success yeah right and, and you've put it in a way
0: i hadn't heard before it's really insightful
3: mm-hmm. yeah uh to me and this is going to ruffle a lot of feathers probably to me success is a man-made construct okay we're not created for success we're created to win there's a big difference between winning and success winning is the fullest the fullest expression of who you are mentally physically socially economically obviously and most important legacy success tends to focus on one or two things main, mainly economics we celebrate wealth too much in this world and too much in this country. And we deem it as successful, although, or even though in other areas of their life are struggling, but we kind of push that to the side because wealth helps production. Uh, uh, but winning focuses not only on production, but reproduction, there's a difference. The danger of success is that success is not static, which means you can be successful here. Uh, so I'm in Ohio. Right? If I had $10 million in Ohio, I'm doing well. You take $10 million to New York City, you're average. You take $10 million to Dubai, you're broke. You go, you're average. There's a big difference. And so you're never on firm footing because you're always achieving something that can't be achieved because they need you always to chase the carrot of success. Winning is when you know, hey, I'm winning. I'm looking at my family, I'm looking at my health, I'm looking at my wealth, I'm looking at all areas of my life and I'm doing fairly well, I'm winning and I'm looking at my legacy, I'm winning. And if you can't look yourself in the mirror in these areas, are you winning, are you doing well? Then you're not winning.
0: Yeah, Yeah. and the part that grabbed me was, you used the analogy, I believe in the book of, as a kid, a foot race, right? You either win or you lose. Right. And, yes. and I love that you call out. And by the way, I'm a reformed corporate guy. So okay. I love that you call out that measure of getting off the wheel and standing out and being different because you're right. You know, so much of the world is about do this, get a job, get a bigger job, buy a bigger house, buy a bigger this, buy a bigger that. Right. And it's not about your happiness and you defining it on your own terms. And this one, of the most powerful parts of your story to me personally.
3: Yeah, it, 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 it's 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 so amazing it's that the executives the c suites they're trained to win okay they're trained to they're trained to make the numbers okay mm-hmm. they're trained i mean even 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 the vice president or the president of a fortune 500 company you fire him or her it doesn't matter they have a golden parachute their win is already built in their buyout is built in but middle management and lower, they teach success, and success teaches goals. C suites, executives, they teach strategies, they teach edge, they teach a different mindset. And what would happen from if it was the from the from the CEO all the way down to the receptionist? What would happen if they all thought winning? They all thought about winning. And what would happen if the C-suites made sure that the people under them won? Wow. You would have a very, very powerful call. Okay.
4: In life of destination, if I meet somebody that brings me no value, I just waste an hour or a day or a week or a month of my life because you brought me no service. But sometimes these people just, just it's we did not meet in the right time yet and, and we still, we were supposed to meet. I, I think the phrase you
0: used in the book was, tomorrow arrived and it was yesterday and I missed it.
4: Is that right? Or close to right? <laughs> so so, so, so to thank you for mentioning that. Uh, so I remember uh, when I was uh, barely walking, a single parent, my kids were young, uh, for those of us that live in the northeast we, we have basements here and, and, and this is where the washer and dryer is and, and going all the way down to the basement and climbing up barely barely walking uh, with, with the kids with the kids clean clothes and I, and we all heard about sacrifice today for a better tomorrow correct this is this is a statement that we all heard about it and and, and some of us really live by that and I did. I said, okay, don't worry about it. Just, just tomorrow will be better. Tomorrow will be better. And as I walking up the stairs, a thought crossed my mind. Sacrifice today for better tomorrow. And I didn't realize that tomorrow was here already yesterday, and I miss it all up. Now I'm getting chills just saying this right now, and I wish that at that moment, my life will be transformed. Unfortunately, it took probably another 10 or some years after that for my life to completely be transformed. But this stuff that just was planning in my subconscious mind eventually were blooming. There, there, there 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 is a difference between sacrificing today for better tomorrow. We can be committed. We can be a engage, we can be, but the the sacrifice of today for better tomorrow, it's, it's almost pointless.
5: Many different ideas in which you can get there.
0: So whether you're the guy in the hoodie or the girl in the hoodie in the Bay Area sitting in front of their computer coding forever or the button down type in New York, right? With the cufflinks going to Wall Street. And you wake up one morning and realize all you do is work. You've lost that creativity. You've lost that drive.
5: Where do you start? That's, that's a hard place to be. Oh, it's a very hard place to be, especially when you, know, you bought into the culture, right? I, I speak a lot about this called uh, affluent deadness. It's when, it's when you have it all, when you have a lot of stuff but you just feel kind of dead inside, you know, like you have, you know, you have your house, you have, you can go on like trips anywhere you want. You can buy basically whatever you want, but there's still like this emptiness and hole in you because you really haven't like explored who you are, who's your inner child. So I first start with um, talking to them about soothing. And what I mean by that is, Um, my play mentor Gwen Gordon talks about how you can't play until you learn how to calm and soothe yourself. And a lot of people adopt their nervous system from the person that took care of them the most, right? So they learn how to calm themselves from that person. So if that person had a lot of anxiety and a lot of trauma, you're actually adopting that, right? So that's the first thing of like, how do I calm myself? Because you can't play in an anxiety-ridden state in a frustrated state. So that's the first part of like, okay, let me figure out how to do that. What calms me down, right? Then after that, then I challenge people to get bored. And that means like remove all the numbing devices, the binge watching Netflix, the social media. I'm not saying forever. I'm just saying for that day, you know, for that hour, just like get to a point where you can get quiet enough where you're bored. And it's weird as a play person to be talking about that. But think about when you were a kid, that's when you came up with your best ideas, right? (laughs) Some of also the most dangerous ideas, right? The most craziest ideas, but you're like, yeah, I'm going to leap from this cliff to this cliff. And everyone's like, yeah, do it. And you're like, this is a horrible idea, but I'm going to try it. But yeah, get bored because that is when that inner curiosity, and it's gonna show up as like a whisper, not in a a loud screaming way. And it's gonna say something to you, like write that blog, create that podcast, make that video, reach out to that person that you've been always wanting to reach out to. You know, leave the job you're leaving to go to this other dream place that you've always wanted to do. Start taking classes of something that you've been interested in for a while. Like, listen to that inner curiosity And then follow that, right? I think a lot of people are like, what's your passion? You know, and Elizabeth Gilbert talks about how she's like, let go of that, because that's a lot of pressure to have someone to be like, I need to know my passion in life forever. No, just follow that that quiet curiosity and see where that takes you while still doing the job, you know, the, the normal job that you're doing. And then just see where, you know, the adventure takes you.